All right, social media family, thank you for joining us yet again for another installment of the Discipling Through Philippians series. We are on lesson nine tonight, lesson nine. So we are going to pick up in chapter three of Philippians, chapter three. We're going to start at verse four and we're going to go down to verse 11. Chapter three. Starting at verse 4, going down to verse 11. And the New Living Translation reads like this. And this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Philippian church, church at Philippi. And he says this. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself demands depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So Paul is saying, he's saying a whole lot here. Now, I want us to look at those first few <clears throat> verses, though, like verses four through six. Now, he, he gives his resume in, the, in the, his natural resume here, right? So he's talking about all the accomplishments that he has in the flesh. Everything, the, you know, the, 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 the prominence, the accolades, things that he could, quote unquote, brag on naturally, right? Because look at what he's saying. He says he was circumcised when he was eight days old. He's a pure blood citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew if there ever was one, exclamation point. He was a Pharisee. <laughs> so this, this resume, I'm looking at it naturally. This is pretty impressive. Right. Now, why do you think the temptation to place confidence or trust in your in our, our natural resume? Why is that such a such a pull or such a, a strong temptation? to place trust in the natural accolades, things that we can tangibly attain. Yeah, because everything it gives us worth, but it, it only gives us worth in the, in the natural realm. You know, the degrees and, and when you was reading that, I was thinking about, you know, I know, I mean, if you are a preacher slash pastor, then I know I don't know about now, but you were if you had the degrees and you went to seminary and you know had all the stuff to go along behind your name. Yeah. The PhD, then you was considered more worthy of a job, you know, a pastor job or a ministry because yeah. you have all that. 
Yeah. Because I remember, you know, you come up in a Baptist church, you know, you know, a speaker, you have a guest speaker, and you would read, you know, the the traditional thing was to read his resume. Oh yes. And it would go all the way down on this. He went to this school, that school, that's it. This, this, that, part this, and this, and this, and that, this, and that, and that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, and I know, and being in that circle, <clears throat> you didn't have all that. You know, in some cases, they wouldn't consider you qualified. Yeah, you're nothing. Yep. Right. You are beneath him or her because they have all the credentials. Yeah. And then, you know, but, what about the anointing? Yeah. What about what God says? Yeah. yeah. What about I mean? You know. What about yeah. an anointing? Because you can have all that stuff and but have you know anointing or can't hear God. You know, because like he says, we've been trained to think, hey, with all these accolades and credentials, then oh, they must have some, or they must, and you could be a great speaker. No anointing. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, no anointing at all, and so, but you can know how to deliver a good message, and yeah, and, and, and some, speech. you know, some seminars would teach you how to do that. Yeah, teach you how to, you know, break down, and, you know, and just any good speaker, you know, you can learn how to write a good speech in college, you know, yeah. you know, and so you can have that format, but and have it down pack, understand, yeah, yeah, but. We know to do this job, or to be a believer, or to be effective in the body of Christ. Yeah, it's nothing wrong again. Nothing wrong with having all that. Yeah, you know, and, and if you can get it, that's fine. And don't leave it. But if you you have all that with no anointing, with no make sure your priorities are in right. Place. God and, first. Right. So yeah, yeah. And look, I just said all that. You know, based on in the ministry. Arena, you you, they tend to carry more weight if you have all that. Stuff. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Hmm. All right. Now, if there's anybody that doesn't know what that word anointing means, it's a good question. Can we can we identify what that is? What does that mean? The word anointing. I've heard, I've heard it's, it's God's supernatural and your natural. Okay. Okay. The supernatural power on your ability to do something, but God supernaturally empowers you to do whatever he calls you to do. So the function of the anointing, based on what the prophet said, is that the anointing removes the burden and destroys the yoke. So burden removing, yoke destroying power. So what a yoke is, is something that keeps you contained in bondage. Yeah. Right? So animals, when they, when they are yoked together, they are connected by this, this strap looking thing where they are, you know, they are held by the head one to the next. Right, so they're yoked up together. Right, so they're contained. So if the anointing removes the burden and destroys the yoke, what type of yoke are we talking about? The yoke of, of bondage to sin, to oppression. Right. So you can be a talented orator. You can learn techniques of sales techniques, motivational techniques, what words to use to pull on people's emotions. These are things that are taught in school. You know, you can learn these things, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but it's a, it's a difference between Tony Robbins and the Apostle Paul. There's a difference between Tony Robbins and an anointed man of God, delivering a teaching, delivering a, a message. Why? What's the difference? The supernatural, burden-removing, yoke-destroying power that's behind the speech. 
that's 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 where you see the difference because you could have a very talented singer and an anointed singer. The talented singer can give you goosebumps. They hit that note like, "Ooh, they can sing." But an anointed singer will usher you into the presence of God. An anointed singer can break that heaviness of oppression, fear, anxiety, and allow the peace of God to, to manifest itself. Right. So there's the, the difference between being talented and anointed. And if then that's and you know, I, I think it took a, I know it took me a, a while to kind of understand that concept. Like, oh, okay, I got it. I got it now. I got, I got to a place until I could see it. But you could see that anointing on people versus, and then versus the talent person, you know. But I, you could see it, or you, you know, you can feel that, you know, like, okay, they have something. I remember there was a scripture where, um, was it one of the gospels somewhere where, I think it was an Acts where, um, I think it was Peter. I forgot who else was there, but the scripture, I think it's in Acts, where it says, you can tell that they have been with Jesus by the way they talked. Yeah. And I was like, wow. You know, in other words, <laughs> it wasn't, they didn't know. They hadn't seen him walk around with Jesus, but they said they could tell that they had been, been with Jesus. And it's like, by the way they, you know, talk, the way they spoke. You know, with authority and you know the knowledge and so it's like okay, but just the people knew there was something different about them based on the way they talk because they were, like I said then and I when I read it I was like okay well that's the anointing because people can see it on your life people can see that yeah okay, well, like something's different and so the world may not know what to call it. Yeah. But they can, you know, like, okay, yeah, this is something unique and significant, something different about them, you know, versus just an ordinary person, just like he said, just talented. Let's go there. Let's go to Acts 4. Acts 4, 8 to 13. <coughs> so, again, we we're highlighting the distinction between. The anointing versus natural accolades and talents. Because you can go to seminary and get a license to preach. But seminary can't give you the anointing. Starting at verse 8 in the New Living Translation says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the power, by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief, the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which man, by which we must be saved. 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, they also recognized them as men who had, had been with Jesus. So you see, they were unlearned. And the King James says, and, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They were marvel and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. These are some regular old fishermen, you know, regular dudes. They they hadn't gone to seminary. 
Yeah, they can tell you how to catch fish. Right. You know, tell you well. But the, the anointing, the anointing was present. So they, they could not deny the presence of, of, of God on their life. Verse 14, it says, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Just like we was talking about the other night and we've talked about before, you know, people can contradict or come against an argument, but they can't refute fruit. They can't refute fruit, you know, the love of God, the 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 gifts of God manifesting themselves, yeah. right? That experience, they you they, they can't. It's it's not refutable. There's even been people I think who dealt with a lot of religion, and I have friends and people I know acquaintances where they're like they want to think to do with God, but and you can understand why it's been a lot of. Religiosity, a lot of like stale Christianity or Christianity pushed at them, but they'll have you know somebody reach out with love, and you can tell it's like even if they're scared at first, you know it's came to their heart, you know, versus just you know like a God loves you, oh, and it's like really like showing somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and um, like I said, you can't repeat for you know like really that was really shows. I have a <coughs> girlfriend and one of my brothers. Was staying with me for a while years back, and she told me she, I wasn't even living for the Lord, you know that term, um, <coughs> dealing with stuff. And she it told me she was, "You are the most loving person. You're the best example of somebody who loves God more than anybody." I go, "Oh my goodness, she'll be looking too close to me." She goes, "But you show so much love. You showed it to me." She goes. I've never had that. Did she say she like sang in a choir in a church and everything? She just she didn't know what it was about. She said never been treated so well. <clears throat> and I had another young lady tell me, I go, what am I doing? How must be doing something right? She goes, You are the best example of a Christian I've ever seen. This was a different time. And actually I was love, you know, I love God all along, but she said, I have people come in here. It was a mall I was working at and she was working at and she said People telling me all the time this stuff about God. She goes, I know who God is, but she goes, just talk, talk, talk. She don't talk. She goes, you show it. Mm-hmm. And I go, I hope so. Thank you. It was a good, there was a couple, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying, that's what I want to do. I've been in this, have you been in a store, stand beside someone, and just chuck up a conversation? You go, are you a believer? Yeah. You just knew. Mm-hmm. Because you could, you could feel it. Well, it's good. It's like this. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And it feels good when you're like, God, I hope I touch them. I hope you touch yeah, them. It's you know, an you know? Instead of. <clears throat> yeah. But I love this because, you know, like I said, I love what Paul is saying because he says he's not getting caught up in his own press. Because I remember um, years ago, a long time ago, a singer, Daryl Coley, gifted, talent. Because he came in this area preaching out with the hearing. But I mean, a very skilled singer. I mean, just, I mean, hit every note, button. there was an annoying one. But he says, I remember him saying in the sermon, he says, I had to be careful not to stop believing my own crest. Because you know how it is. When yes. you're good, people will lift you up. Yeah. You know, you get all the applause and the accolades and this and that and this and that. And once again, he understood it was the anointing of God on his life. But if you're not careful, Stand you humble. start to believe, you know, this and that. And you start to embrace, you know, all this stuff. And that will take you away from, you know, God. So, but it's especially, you know, and of course we know there are people in the Bible, right, more gifted than others. You know, I'm not the most gifted speaker. You know, there are other speakers just gifted, you know, in that area. But you have to be very careful not to say, okay, well, this is me. Get puffed up. Yeah. To the point where you forget 
as Paul said at the end of that, he says, okay, I count that worthless, all these stuff I have. It don't mean nothing if I don't know Christ. Yeah. So he, you know, stayed focused on, yeah, I have all this, and I got degrees, and I got education, and I got, you know, committees, but you know what? I'll toss all that aside. Yeah, it's the Jesus yeah, in me. Right. I love what Andrew Wombat will do a lot of times. I've, I've watched, like, different conferences and things. If they, you know, they go to announce him, come up, you know, speak. And people, I mean, <coughs> people love him. Yeah. We love him. We love him here, you know, it's like... People be like a standard ovation, and he'll like constantly as soon as he gets the microphone, praise you, Jesus, praise you, Jesus. And he always tries to take the glory and mm-hmm. back up on God, you know. And I think, you know, that's that's cool, you know. So, the other side of that, and, and I look at myself personally, you know, for people who are not naturally gifted, you know, in an area, mm-hmm. you know, and you be, I've never heard you, you know, that's what the Bible said, I've heard him say. Don't compare yourself to people. Because I remember, I think I was kind of like in my late 20s, and man, this young kid who was like, what were we, like 15, 16? God called him to preach at 313. And this, you're talking about like gifted, I mean, no manuscript, just like push it inside and just, and could break down the word. I'm like, you know, and I'm like, I'm 28 years old and came through all this. But just, you know, mm-hmm. once again, and you begin to say, well, dang, you know, I ain't got all that. And so, once again, you begin to compare. And then think, you're not, well, okay, I must not be that much. And like he said, you know, you have preachers who know how to say the right thing, get you emotional, get you excited, and especially when you're a young kid. And I knocked him, God was just, he was just, Surrender God, knowing Him. But for you who don't have all, because I remember one preacher, he had a photogenic mind. He he could, I remember he stood in the pulpit in Genesis 1. He read, it was like, had no Bible, did like 20 verses straight down, didn't miss a word. Wow. And I was like, whoa. But once again, you know, you you can have all that. <clears throat> get caught up on that and be like, hey. So Paul, you, start, um, you start to forget what it's really about, too. I right, think. exactly. When you point. get too much into it. I mean, we all should, you know, re- you know, rejoice and be happy and thankful that we have a gift. I mean, it's exciting, especially when you walk out what you're supposed to, or gifted, you know, at or what to be doing. But however, it's true if you start to lose the basics of Jesus loves us right. and love each other. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, I think that's where it starts to really start kind of yeah. getting off. And not against, you know, against people who are gifted because that came from God. Of course. You know, but like you said, you begin to start believing your own press and get caught up on, you know, the God-given ability that you have. And like you said, forget about him. Mm-hmm. And realize the one that it came from start thinking it's you. Yeah. Now, it becomes... It's no longer about the people, it's about me. And then, you know, of course, I'm, you know, you may have heard the stories of some preachers. Well, I ain't coming to preach unless I'm getting this amount of money. And I ain't coming, you know, this and then why I'm not coming to preach unless it's a hundred or more people. You know, so you get into that yeah. mindset of, right? Okay? Mm-hmm. I think I've heard him say <coughs> superstar preachers and this and that. You yeah, that from that magazine, the article on that, and I don't say which one, but it was a couple of years back. They did it. They said there are some. They would go. You offer that. You offer them that. Um, they pick the, the best. They would pick the best prizes. You know, sure. Mm-hmm. Some churches they'll they'll do it out of love. Like if they have a like minister come, they'll like a love offering, a love basket, or something. But I can't imagine. Oh my gosh, this makes my heart hurt to go like, well, yeah, you have a basket with this. They have a bigger one with better fruit or something. I'm like, oh my gosh. They've lost sight of what's just so sad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and when you're gifted, like naturally gifted, it's, it's really is harder for yes. you to walk in that humility. Yeah. Right. Now, some of us, don't really have a whole lot of going on naturally. 
So you know when you you know when you just you just I naturally, mm-hmm. and you know then you understand and you stay in that place of understanding. Okay, Lord, if you won't show up, if you don't manifest yourself, ain't nothing happening here. Right. Mm-hmm. right. But that's what's so amazing because when you we really truly trust him, he does show up. And they can be, he can use someone, which don't you remember the parts of the body. The ear is nothing with the head, because it would just be man there. Mm-hmm. The feet, you don't see the feet. The feet carry around, you know, the arms, mm-hmm. you know, different right. parts of the body. It's like, this is all important where you can talk, mm-hmm. you can sing, and you can speak, and blah, blah, blah. And that's good. But you got to have the head, you got to have the eyes so you can see, you got to have the ears so you can hear. Right. Like I even went through that phase with, you know, I remember, I think I told the show when I first started ministering, calling the ministry and ministering, you know, you know, Mother of the Church, she said, you know, and I preached at their church, and she, you know it. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, because I don't see what you're talking about. What are you talking about? I'm anointing. I thought that was for suicide preachers, the ones that yeah. and then she, and she, but she <laughs> lovingly rebuked me and said, hey, and explained to me, okay, yes, you are, because yeah. it comes from God. It's his It doesn't always just like preaching and but see, you know, we, we as humans, we yeah. listen to ourselves and say, okay, yeah. I split that verb and missed that, I should have said this, and we critique ourselves and say, well, man, you know what? And, and, you know, messed up that word, didn't get that. I don't think I really said that right. And so you critique yourself and beat yourself up, you know? Yeah. But you know what? When the anointing is on it, people don't see all that. Yeah, we see it. Yeah. Because we human, you know? We're like, mm-hmm. you know? And I love that about like going deeper into what the anointing is because I remember this this stuck in my head my whole life, even as a kid, um, being raised in church almost or around that and stuff. I remember um, Carmen, actually the Christian singer Carmen, he had a movie he did, and in the movie I remember he played a police officer and there was a teacher, she was the love interest, there was a bunch of stuff, and at the end of like the first part of the movie, it was like two apart, but the where everything had happened, they had busted, it was a gang and stuff, and it wasn't good, and he had dealt with fear, his character, he was learning to be fear in his life, but, um, he, you know, the, the girlfriend, or the be girlfriend, she's like, so how are you, and his daughter was there, the character, she's like, I'm okay, and they were outside the school, and anyways, it was at night, he's like, I think I learned today that you can have an anointing in any occupation, not just like minister, minister, which yeah. is, of course, important, but he goes like, you know, he's a police officer, and she goes like, I didn't know as a teacher, yeah, you know, and the, the daughter was talking, I know. It was neat to hear that, you know, as a young age, that you don't just have to do ministry. Quote, unquote, well, ministry. Of course, that's important, we but, I mean, you know, you could right, yeah. be whatever, you know. <laughs> we, need the, we need the anointing in every area, every occupation. Whatever God calls you to do, he wants you to take him in there with you yeah. to influence that area, whatever that area is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Lord, Lord knows we need some anointing in some of these classrooms, yeah. in some of these um these political council meetings, mm-hmm. and um and on these streets with some of our officers, right? Yes. How 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 vital would a word of knowledge be in in, in their lives, in their vocation, mm-hmm. right? So and you know and it just goes beyond the the Christian box. Yeah, you know, right. in you know the fivefold ministry. Obviously, that's important, but that's not. It's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, mm-hmm. right? So it go. The work of the ministry is beyond what's going on in, in the fivefold, yeah. right? But you know, <laughs> our so. culture tells us otherwise. Mm-hmm. That it, it's not. It's not necessarily for God. You know, it's it's kind of second rate. If it's not in the pulpit, mm-hmm. or if you're not ushering, or you're not on the deacon board, right? Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, like even the serving, you know, serving in the, in the church, the behind the scenes, sometimes that was looked on as that's all you do. That is very vital and very important. 
Mm-hmm. If you have if you have a call for that, you can excel at it very well in the right way, and it's God's going to bless it. Mm-hmm. Some people don't like. Some will look at it and go, "That's not part of something important." Yes, it mm-hmm. is. It is. Someone's got to clean the you know the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And, and I ain't gonna lie. Every time I see like a broadcast, even at Karis and stuff, different things, if they have a really pretty platform, there's wood. Because we clean for a living, you know, partly. I'm looking, I'm like, I wonder what they use. I thought about it, they clean, somebody has to clean that, make it like look pristine, you know, they're, it's not just magically or, you know, like supernatural. I mean, you know, it can happen, but I mean, somebody is actually coming in every day or every couple of days to make it look pretty. Yeah, it's, it's some, it's some natural dust that collects up there. <laughs> yeah. Somebody got to clean that up. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. and, and just, and some, something is minute. Is is that right? You know, if if it wasn't, let's say it was dirty, dusty, and they, you know, they on the broadcast, and somebody's flipping through the channel, like, and they they look at the dust and it's kind of disorganized. It's like, man, I ain't looking at this mess. They could be singing their hearts out. And all they can see, is all they can see is that dirty, the dirty, they did the disarray, the flowers mm-hmm. all jacked up, and some dust there, halfway right? dying. <laughs> Right. Bent over. Just the littlest things sometimes that make a difference. Right. So, you know, and it just it just speaks to a lot of different things. The susceptibility of our flesh to superficial things. Right. And how, you know, we if we step back and look at things from God's perspective. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, right? Now, next question I have is, okay, we talk about the anointing versus natural ability. How do you get the anointing? You have to buy it. Ooh, she sounds like somebody. She know where I was going to go. You said you have to buy it. You can buy the anointing? Nineteen ninety five, ninety nine ninety five. Somebody tried that in the Bible. You can save five bucks. Well, they asked to buy it. Now, it is sad. I know we're going to go with that. I'm just saying, Mom and I have actually, we explored, we're exploring ministries looking for help many years ago for some things. And we actually got some help from a ministry. Couple of the long story short, but their assistant, she kept pushing us and prodding us for love offerings. Um, well, you know, you need to make a sacrifice and you need to do this. And there's the scripture somewhere. She would never tell us what it was. I'm like, oh my God, this is so creepy. Right. So let's go to Acts 8 and, and, and talk to them and see what, what Peter had to say about this. We're going to start at verse 12 and we'll go down to verse 21, 22. Excuse me. But when they would leave Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which are which were done. Now, when the apostles were, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, they may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps that, that, thou, that 
thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. So you see, Simon was like, he saw the power of God manifested itself. He's like, ooh, where I get that at? Let me, let me buy some of that. Now, what do you think his, his motives were? To want to buy it. I mean, he wanted the, um, I say he wanted the answer, he wanted the popularity, he wanted the, the success that came from it. You know, I see how successful I see it is. You know, I can do that. And you know how much, how many crowds I can draw with that. Mm -hmm. So, it was, it was, in the New Living Translation says, in verse 22, 23, Peter says, Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. So, you know, you see when, if your motives are not pure, how much corruption can come when, you know, you are gifted and do have influence, right? How much destruction can happen mm -hmm. if the motives are twisted, right? And let's go back to Philippians 3. Now, after Paul gives the resume, verse 7, in the King James, it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yet doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Dung. That word dung is rubbish, rubbish, trash, garbage. It's all the accolades, all the acclaim. All the patent on the back. Call it garbage. Dumb. <clears throat> now, I'm looking at my outline here. Now, this is going to be a, a, a personal question. It says, what sorts of things in your life should be counted as dumb so that you might win Christ? I didn't write the study guide. I just read the question. <laughs> Joyce is like, I'm washing my hands in the matter. <laughs> yeah, you turn around what you see. I didn't do it. It came from the study guide. All right, I'll start. I can, I probably, I'll probably just say the degrees. You know, the academic achievements. Now, Am I thankful that I was able to obtain, you know, bachelor's degree, master's degree? Yeah, right. I am. But in reference to their impact, would it, you know, it without the presence of God, none of that stuff matters. You know, it, it, it doesn't. And, and even in, in reference to the work that I do, if if it's not for the presence of God, it none of that stuff matters. You know, it's just paper. Because when you talk, when you're talking about trying to help walk people through the challenges and try to help them heal mentally, emotionally, the anointing 
is what matters. Not the paper. Because you can have a, a whole lot of secular head knowledge and not take people anywhere. It's just a bunch of a bunch of you know jibba jabba. But when the presence of God shows up, then that then that's where change can happen for real. I think um, like where I work and stuff, working grocery and being a cashier, I get a lot of compliments for like being fast. And, and I try, I mean, I, I, I add groceries, I treat my customers, at least I try to, the way I want to be treated, you know, when I go to a grocery store. And that's how she raised me and stuff. And I get a lot of compliments on, you know, you're fast, I have a radio voice, they tell me a lot of times, I guess I I talk fast, you know, and getting it, not like rushing them, but you know, getting it done efficiently and things like that. And I go, but that's nothing with, you know, without a God there and his presence and love and friendly, you know, showing God's love that way. And, you know, it's like, I'll be told, it's like, yeah, but, you know, smile. I've had a couple of coworkers that we, we smile, and we, you know, not that like say, why do you smile? It's like, you know, what's your, what's the secret or whatever? And I go, God is good, you know, through, you know, ups and downs and stuff. And I go, it's, it's nothing without that though. You know, it's true to remember that. You know, what's all that without the real meaning of life, you know, which is God, so. I don't know, because I mean, I've heard people say my voice is unique. I have no idea what they're talking about. So, I don't know. I mean, I could embrace that and try to, you know, but once again, I have no clue. I've never, it's like, what are y'all talking about in voice, but. Well, with the ministering stuff, you know, yeah, you, you know, very articulate, very, you know, catching. So I can see that definitely. But, yeah, yeah, I well, I've never known. I've heard that most of my life, even when I was in school, you know, yeah, you got to stand up and do speeches and people would say something about their voice. And I'm like, no clue what y'all talking about, but okay, you know, so, but no. You could, you know, like I said, even with the, I guess we do, even with the call on your life, you could get caught up on that. Yeah, okay, there's God calling for you, but, you know, it doesn't make you the more special than anybody else. Yeah. It's just that he chose you. Yeah. And so you got to be appreciative. Okay, hey. And because, of course, you know, we know a lot of the people he could call. With more, you know, credentials, more nasty talent, but anyway. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, see, <coughs> I'm mess with him because you know you could hear all the humility, right? With his brother, you know, he got that quiet storm voice. And people <laughs> like, gonna be like, and you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, well. For those of us who don't know what a quiet storm is, basically, if, back in the day, they used to have. Um, there was a time of night where the 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 music would go to you know love songs, mm-hmm. right? And then you got you got to have that the deep smooth sounding brother that that's the DJ at that right. time of the hour, right? Yes. Right. Yes. right? That that cat you know he'll catch your attention like oh okay yeah, yeah. right. But and see, but that's that's the thing. It's like you know, it, they're just certain you you know idiosyncrasies, things that are unique to each of us, right? And God wants to use those things mm-hmm. for what? For His glory, right? Yeah, yeah. And what the enemy will want you to do is to get you to look at your gifts and worship the gift instead of the gift giver. And get your focus off. Yeah, that's true. And then, you know, and that, that's how he turn your ship or turn into turn you into a shipwreck. Get you off course. I think it's kind of like if I may add an example, you know, and you know, I'll say this way pre Bible study, and I talk about relationships and stuff like that. But I thought about it really though, like thinking like when a man gives his woman flowers, mm-hmm. 
and it's, you know, a gift, you know. And when that gift is about the, wow, he loves me, he gave me flowers, they're so pretty, but what if it goes about the flowers, you know? Oh, the flowers are so beautiful, the flowers, the flowers, the flowers, you know? Show her friends, you know, oh, my flowers, look at my flowers, they're roses, and this, and so I'm like, you know, he loves me so much, and he gave me the flowers, and that's sweet, and how, you know, it's the focus, you know? Like, not focusing on the gift, but focusing on the reason. Mm -hmm. I guess it's, it's, a, it's not, you know, give use as a, way of looking at it we had a, a friend before she passed away her and her husband had been married for 25 years they were having struggles and we came in one day with a little cleaning for them and there was the most beautiful she brought flowers that made me think yeah. the most beautiful arrangement huge arrangement of red roses and we're going like oh they're so pretty you know we're girls we're ladies we're, oh they're so pretty where'd you get them from she goes he gave them to me and she's talking about her husband at the time. And we're like, oh, what's for this pretty 25th anniversary? And she was not very, you could tell she didn't care. What it was, is it was just an automatic thing to him. It was, there was no feeling, no, like you could like, there's no anointing. There was no love there. And the, it was love, but it was quite kind. Yeah. She, he didn't know well enough, I guess, after 25 years. If he had took all that plus, he could have brought it and went out and brought her. She loved wild flowers. The wilder, the better. He could have brought her a bunch of them in these different, really weird colors, rose, everything. And that would have touched her heart so much more just listening to the voice, if you know what I mean. It's almost like, well, that's you know, the, the earth way. Look at it, it's still the idea of that. If you're listening, mm -hmm. the, the, the anointing. Helps you make great decisions and guide you. You don't get, oh, I know everything. If does that make sense? Because I know I'm trying to say it's mm -hmm. all of what it took. She was just, she was not happy. And then Julia gave her one simple pink rose at her office. She was like, I was and she, um, she, it wasn't because of Julia. She was, she was, how did you know? She was a lovely. And I knew she loved wild colors. I gave her a rose, mm -hmm. and it was like a peachy. Yeah, but it's like you know, listening to yeah. the right voice. If it makes sense, mm -hmm. even if it's a worldly way, it's the idea that we listen to God. Even the little things, the anointing comes. That's the anointing too. It's like you just listen. It's a Holy Spirit speaking. That's good. But I love what A says. Is yes, everything else I'm reading from a new living is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord, and my way, I can spread that and say, okay, so it, it is what you place value on. Yeah. So am I going to place value on my natural ability, which comes from God also? Mm -hmm. Who am I going to take credit for that? Or I can put value, he puts value on just knowing Christ. He said, I got more value in knowing Christ than all, you know, these things that I have accomplished. Yeah. So it's all about what you put value on. Yeah. And, you know, our culture is very, I, I got to say, it's just really messed up. It's amazing what we throw money at. You know, when it comes to occupations and mm. things, you know, our culture throw money at stuff. It's like versus the stuff that really matters. Yeah, the, the stuff that the, the occupation that really matters, we really need. Those are sometimes the lowest paying occupations versus the stuff that we throw money at. Mm. It's like wow, you know, it's amazing. But we as a, especially in this nation, that we put value on. Yeah. And Paul is saying, I put more value on knowing Christ than all the stuff that I've achieved, you know, in my natural ability. Yeah. Right. Right. That's good. Because, like Eric said, like the, the natural gifts and talents, they come from God anyway. Right. So it's like, what, why, why, you know, what am I, what am I really doing if I take my focus off Him? Because he didn't want to give it to me anyway. Oh, no, I did it myself. Right. That's where arrogance and mm -hmm. right. it's a fall coming. Right. And, you know, he, he uh, and now he's starting to meddle now. 
when you start talking about the society placing value on mm-hmm. the wrong things. I can hear some things. Yeah, because but it, it's it's so obvious if you look right. How vital are you know law enforcement teachers? Mm-hmm. You know EMT. Workers, all you know, first responders, these types of vocations, right? Look at their pay versus the lowest paid player for the Cowboys or the Lakers, or mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. right. These these guys play sports. They play with a ball versus the individuals that are putting their life on the line, literally, yeah. right, to protect their communities. So, mm-hmm. and, and to teach yeah. our children, right? But we pay the athlete a quarter billion dollars because he throw the ball good. I mean, I, I was recently looking at what college football coaches make. I mean, $10 million a year. I mean, $10 million a year, not $10 million in 10 years, $10 million a year to coach. And then you got kids. Who are going to college to be doctors and like I said, lawyers and teachers and gotta take out loans, which is gonna take them half their life to pay back once they get out of school. I have somebody I know, I'll say in law enforcement, and I have a very good friend of mine, and one that I know law enforcement shared from a state, and I accidentally, because I don't betray my people on you know, in my life, but I accidentally said it in front of a good friend. I trust how much this law enforcement person made. And I love this friend because they didn't even blink. They go, that's not enough. He puts his life on the line. That's not enough. And I go, Wait, what a good so person. Annoying. You know, you it's terrible, you know, compared to that's uh, awful. the prestige. I throw a ball around, which is fine if you like football. That's great. But I mean, so much like it's so imbalanced, it's crazy, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's like because, yeah. you know, it's like we're paying our court gestures, yeah, exorbitant royalty wages while we're treating our soldiers like yeah. XYZ, with like with straps and stuff, you know. And, and, but it, it's Lord upside, line. just true, upside down with our society missing God. And the morals. I was talking about mom and I were talking about it ago. She chose to do something different. I don't try to put a halo on her, like raising me as a single mom. We had a lot of friends on yeah. back then, and, and ones who weren't even single, just families. The wife would work to try to give the children and a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And even some of them I grew up with, some of my friends, my peers, they would have to kind of move it on their own to finally kind of realize what life was about, you know? And not that she poured our problems out on me, but anyways, like I knew, like I knew I wasn't, I didn't beg her for when, before we even had our iPhones, right? Julius, you know, mm-hmm. was the, the, um, the, um, gosh, what was it before that? The, not the iPads, but the iPods, the iPods. They couldn't remember that was when I was a teenager, you know, it was iPods and stuff. And I go like, I didn't beg her for that because I knew we didn't have that. She chose to work less, be around me. And then, you know, the relationship being there, and I go, I think a lot of families, I think they love their children, but because of the way the society is and the way the culture is, it's give more stuff, show my children mm-hmm. I love them, more stuff, and it's pumped, you know, it's all on commercials, everything, instead of give your time, you know, yeah, the other she, stuff will come. Yeah. When she went through something, and we had went to, um, she went to one kind of counseling, and I was sent to Avalon, and this lady that talked to me, I was feeling really upset because I said, I, I can't give her everything I need, you know, that she wanted all this stuff. And I was almost going to start with myself. And she stopped. She goes, are you there? Do you take care of her? Do you feed her? She, she doesn't look like she, you know, she look, you, you feed her. You have a, just a roof. You've got clothes. You take care of her. You give her nice things when you can. She goes, this is more important what you are doing, especially what happened than all the, the gadgets in the world. She goes, that time will come. And she's older. She was only eight years old. She goes, that'll come. And you'll be able to work more if you want. You'll be able to do more. She goes, right now, this is the most important mm-hmm. time. She's, 
as long as she's being, you know, taking care of that. And she goes, she is. She said, you've given her you. And she was trying to keep the folks she's a counselor. She goes, you are giving her you. That's more important. That's a God thing. She needs you. Well, she has all the days met. And she's place to stay, food and clothing. And she said, that will come. But with all the um, the things that you know, kids now even even more now with, with TV and social media, you know, mm-hmm. culture says this is valuable. Yeah. And if you don't have this, if you don't look like this, yeah, then you know what? You're not accepting it. Of course, you know, kids. Some kids buy into that. Then some kids experience peer pressure. You know, like when I was coming up. Okay, hey. If you didn't have, if you didn't wear the brain name, name shoes, you know, Converse. Oh, yeah. You got teeth. Yeah, you know, you got, and so, because this, if you had those shoes, you considered. You were something. Yeah, you were something. You were in the, and so my parents couldn't afford that. And so we had to get the no name stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know y'all remember Woolworth. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's and, old uh, school. Woolworth yes. would have. Yeah. This big old barrel with shoes and no name. And we would have to pick out of there. And you know, as a kid, you like, man, I'm gonna get teased to death, man. I got yeah. no name. Because culture put value on this the brand this. the names. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so if you couldn't afford it, then you was not accepted. And so as kids you struggle with that. But like I said, it's like when you understand, hey, it's this roof over here. You have shoes. Somebody in another country ain't got no shoes walking barefoot. I know I see that on TV all the time. Those third world countries where kids walk around with no shoes, free feet all cut, dirty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. so, it's like coming to school and being viewed as, wow, they're well dressed. They're well clothed. Their mom and dad loves them. It's, it's true. It's like, uh, the little Converse things on the side, or Nike mm-hmm. check mark, or something. I mean, you know, it's just mm-hmm. sad. You know, and it's amazing what some even now some people what people will do. You know, to get a brand new pair of shoes. Thank you. A cell phone. Yes. Yeah. The newest one. Camp out overnight yes. in the line to get these certain type of things in the world. And I go, no, 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 I don't want that bad. I remember, you know, and they don't have this more, you thing. know, remember Black Friday, people would, and I'm guilty, I'm, we did sitting outside of a store waiting yeah. to get a big screen TV and they ain't got probably 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so I'm saying we, 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 did, things, right? we did things true. like this. Yeah. It's like, where yeah, are we, had, we had a relative, she was, she's really little. She and several other people had stood inside by the that was when they did the black covering over it. They stood by some games. She had twin boys. She stood there. A whole bunch of other people stood there as quietly as could be. And they just waited. They were talking with each other. They were completely calm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she's a real, real little, you know, I'm short. I'm like five four. She's like five foot. Little tiny thing. And then when it got close to the time, it was maybe 15, 20 minutes or so, or maybe before, she said you could... Hear visibly, you know, what you call it? you could hear the there was lots of people coming. They ran all at one time, they were coming to the back of the store to these deals, and that's when they started putting the lines because they came in and overran everybody that was standing there peacefully. And they said it was open, they poured it, pulled the plastic off. She got put on the ground, and people were stepping on her. Oh, wow, mm. it didn't hurt her. And there was a, uh, a deputy sheriff, because it's in our area. He was standing beside. He didn't realize she was down there first and finally he saw her and he helped her up. She was more angry than she was hurt. But she was hurt, too, because she was. Then when she was able to finally get up, there was nothing left. And she had waited there just as quiet, quietly and calmly. Yep, she did it the right way. She did it the right way. But there's no value. And the, no. Right. See, the value mm-hmm. is on. We don't care who we yeah. hurt. As long as we get what we want. Mm-hmm. Let me let me add. Um, David chimed in. He says, "I think the league minimum in baseball is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars." Wow. Teachers, scientists, and public safety may work thirty years and may never see that type of money. 
that a player makes in six months exactly. at a league yes. minimum. Right. Right. Yes. Right. So, and it's like, yes. you know, and we, all of this to say, you know, it's about prioritizing. Yeah. Right. If you recognize that there's a gift on the inside of you, there's something that you have, someone else has, praise God. But don't take the focus off the one who gave the gift, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because we're talking about, you know, the salaries of the, the stupid athletes. We're talking about the phones and TVs and all this stuff. Now, are we condemning these things? Mm -hmm. They're just things. Because, I mean, all of us would be silly. It's like about four iPhones in here. <laughs> and I know I, I know, Eric got a serious TV at the crib. All right. So, you know, we... we Tell them on Eric. But why? But is it... it, it are these things bad? Quote, unquote. No, 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 no. no. But I guarantee you, Eric don't go home and worship that TV. Do you? No, I do not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have right. to say that. It's about priority. Because yeah, when somebody gives you a gift, I mean, it, it's it's you feel you feel some kind of way if they didn't appreciate it, right? Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, Absolutely. but it's like putting the gift above the gift giver. That's right. It's that's so right. Yeah. at the end of the day, it's about priority. Yeah. yeah. It's about priority because <laughs> if you honor you you honor the the giver of the gift, you appreciate the gift, then. The gift can serve the, the purpose that it was supposed to serve if you have the proper focus yeah. on the giver. Yes. You wear like a necklace, like I said, I'm a lady, this is what I think, you know, like your boyfriend or husband gave you and you're wearing it and like a, a grocery cashier, you know, you're just standing there just so proud, you're smiling and it's, yeah, it's a pretty like heart locket or something. I'm just, you know, kind of going an example out there. Of course, you're excited. It's pretty, but it's like you're smiling because it's, he loves me. He cares about me. You know that. That's the. That's where I think the the heart should be. You know, mm -hmm. mostly there. That's good. I'll be along the line. I tell this story, and I know my wife. We was married early part, and um, I think for one anniversary, I took it. Didn't have a lot of money, but I took an index card. You know, and just wrote her a note. I appreciate how much I love her. It's in that. It's in that. Yeah. Wrote it out, and. Um, she appreciated it, you know, so much. She was like, "Wow!" So that that she she put it up on the um, dresser, Aww. and the story goes on. It's like one day I made her real mad, you know, got mad, and she took the index card and ripped it up in two pieces, threw on the floor. I was like, "Oh, okay," you know. So, but I come back a couple of days later. She had taped it up. Oh, put it back again. We all been there, yeah. And put it back in the thing. I was like, because then I don't say that because she values that it won't number the index card mm -hmm. with like a note to me. Even though at the moment, you know, that she, yeah. you know, one moment she got mad or whatever. Right. But that let me know how much because she taped it back up. So, you know, put some tape around it. Place it back on the dress. But it made a big difference. Right, because she that let me valued it she so much. Valued it so much. Lost her cool. Yeah, yeah. she lost her cool. What am I doing now? Right. I can't do this. Exactly. And put it back up there. And, and put it back up there. I value this more than even right. arguments. Because you know, it wasn't nothing big, wasn't no big teddy bear or something like that or something diamond ring or something something it's, really expensive. It's sometimes just a small design. Yeah, it was just a small just yeah. that I took time to write it out. This and that. So now that's the best, yeah. Right. And she kept that for how much she's doing she kept it for years. She just placed it right on the mirror. You know I wrote that. But once again it was the value that she placed on that particular Yeah. You know, no so how much more should we place value on our relationship with the one that created us the one that died for us yeah. let me let's close in 1st Corinthians chapter 2 1st Corinthians 2 
I'm going to start at verse 1 in the New Living Translation. And we're going to go about down to verse 5. And this is this is Paul, his first letter to the church at Corinth. He says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain, rather than using clever and persuasive speeches. I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. So you see how Paul, he laid aside human wisdom, clever, persuasive speeches, very plain. Because remember, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Because you, you talk about somebody who can exegete and quote the law. Mm -hmm. He he it. But what did he do? In in the Amplified says, my language and my message were not sent forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit in power. A proof by the spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. So this is him allowing the taking himself out the way and allowing the anointing to do the work. He says, I am determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Him crucified. Because at the end of the day, it's Jesus and him crucified. That's going to remove the burden and destroy the yoke. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week.